Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast's Wine Business Talk series. Join us as we connect with our Italian Wine Podcast listeners all over the globe on all things wine and business. This podcast has been brought to you by Colangelo and Partners, the leading fine wine and spirits agency in the US. Visit Colangelo and Partners at www.colangelopr.com. Hello, welcome to Wine Business Talk on the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm your host, Giuliana Colangelo. Navigating the three-tier system in the U.S. can be a challenge for any brand, big or small. Under the three-tier system, a winery, distiller, or importer, Tier 1, must sell to a state-licensed distributor, Tier 2, who sells to a retail or restaurant licensee, Tier 3. This pipeline poses significant logistical and legal roadblocks for alcohol beverage companies who prefer to spend that time advocating for their brands or seeking distributors' attention. Ellen Tenney Imports is innovating the industry's logistics landscape by offering a modern approach to wine, spirits, beer distribution, and helping hundreds of global companies effectively navigate the U.S. three-tier system. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Alexi Cashin, co-founder and CEO of Ellen Tenney Imports. Alexi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Juliana. It's an honor to be here. It's nice to see you again. You too. It was great to be a guest on your podcast back in August and nice and fun to kind of switch seats here. So thanks again for joining. Yeah, definitely. So before we get into today's conversation on the U.S. three-tier system and everything that Ellen Tenney does, and we're, we're super excited to dive into all that, um, let's daydream a little. We all miss traveling. It's been over a year now that most of us have been at home, and this is the Italian Wine Podcast. So why don't you describe for me your perfect vacation day in Italy? Where are you? What are you drinking? What are you eating? Let's just daydream a little bit. Ah, there's so many wonderful choices with that amazing question. I, though, would definitely have to say, being that I'm a Colorado native and a skier, that I would definitely want to be skiing. So whether that's in the Dolomites or the Italian Alps, I would be skiing. But unlike in the U.S. and Italy, I would be having a lavish lunch and really good bottle of wine at, um, you know, chalet or uh, resort hut in between runs. Sounds beautiful. I can picture it now. <laughs> and a unique answer because most people said the coast, the Amalfi. So love, we're switching it up, going to the Dolomites today. Beautiful. So last episode, we spoke with David Parker over at Benchmark Wine Group, and we learned about Benchmark's direct import model and more about the fine wine market in the U.S., Today, we're going to dive further into the topic of imports and take a, a step back on the distribution chain. So to start, can you tell us a little bit more about how Ellen Tenney fits into the three-tier system in the U.S.? Sure. So when we founded in 2010, we started the business as a service distributor. So we really set out our mission was to help smaller wine companies and wineries compete by creating a turnkey service. So being a service distributor, you might ask, well, what's a service importer? What's a service distributor? The main difference is that we do function in those top two tiers. So we can act either tier one as an importer or tier two as a distributor, but we are doing that and offering that as a service. So we're not taking a percentage margin of a brand sales. Instead, we're just charging for the service, the transactions, the maintenance, the compliance, basically a back office service that allows, like I said, an end-to-end offering for brands and smaller companies who want to compete but don't have all the licenses and or the labor to manage the day-to-day operations of 
both importation as well as distribution. Mm, that's really interesting. And what inspired you and your your co-founder to start Ellen Tenney and, and play in the space of the service importer and distributor? So my co-founder, Tim Allentenny, and I, we both worked uh, at Polaner Selections, a reputable, wonderful distributor importer in, in New York City. And we were you know, eager to compete in sort of a, a smaller arena. There aren't as many businesses that do exactly what we do, this sort of service logistics and service distribution. And to be honest, the sort of, you know, reputation of many logistics companies was that, you know, a little tired, perhaps not technology forward, sort of, this is how it works, you know, take it or leave it. And what we realized is there's a lot of handholding that goes in, especially a brand that's really trying to gain market access or to make a, a change. They really need sort of that consultative ad. So we do offer consultative services in addition to just this transactional distribution flow to really help and guide brands and companies through that process. But the impetus of starting was, you know, really, it just seemed like there was time for this type of business and this the, the model that we created, but to really leverage technology. So we built custom software and proprietary systems from the get-go that allowed us to scale a lot faster, allowed our customers to have access to, you know, self-served information and, and integrations with, you know, each of our vendors and, and just things that I don't think our competitors were wholly doing. Very interesting. So, you know, this last year with the pandemic, it's it affected us all in, in so many ways, but Ellen Tenney and, and your company on the front lines with both importing and distribution and all, all those logistics, I imagine it's affected your company quite a bit. So what have been the main impacts the pandemic has had on your business? And what are some of the new realities you're facing as a company? It's a great question. I would say that the main impact was also a bit of a telltale sign. So on our freight forwarding service, where we're consolidating freight from wineries abroad, mostly from Europe, importing them into the US and then getting them to their respective warehouses for our import clients, we we were hit immediately. The impact, because we're at the start of that supply chain, we saw the effects of that pretty dramatically. You know, so as people staved off, obviously, of shipping any new products into the US, sort of the second lens to the pandemic was that because of our distribution service, that tier two, we also then saw an immediate halt of sales, particularly on, on premise to restaurants, you know, just a different price point that the stuff that was selling was definitely a, you know, a little bit more sweet spot and lower price point. Uh, but yeah, just a ton of business fell off, particularly in the hospitality sector. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, we saw that across the board. And I mean, those are sort of the obvious responses. It's continuing, though, to to have a crunch and an impact despite the improvement of the state of the pandemic. You know, the, the currently the global supply chain is a real strain on a multitude of industries. But for the alcohol beverage industry, you know, the ports of Oakland and New York have just been jammed and that congestion has been backlogged for a few months now, um, you know, getting containers out of ports, uh, particularly you see the congestion in the port of Long Beach, which then has a really intense ripple effect across the other ports is worse than it's ever been. So even though we saw delays in the fall, for example, just due to summer months combined and a shortage of equipment and drayage carriers, the current landscape of that global supply chain is tremendously worse. So that's been a, a real sort of shaky effect to like 
the positive side of the pandemic, which is that, you know, Americans are consuming again and there's more money in the economy. And yet that now that's having this adverse shipping effect. Right. No, of course. Well, sounds like from what you've you've told us so far about Alan Tenney, you're extremely innovative company that's looking for new solutions to some of these age old problems in the in the distribution system. So what are some ways your company has shifted or evolved to face some of these new challenges brought on by the pandemic? You know, Julia, the sir, our services really work in times like these. When we started in 2010, you know, sort of on the the height of the uh, you know the 2008 economic crisis, we were really able to rely on our LCL, the less than container load freight service. So we built up a really robust service in that regard with multiple lanes from lots of different ports of origin. And it really gives companies a lot of flexibility, particularly in uncertain times like this. So basically the way that it's more efficient and is useful to companies is that our customers can ship just-in-time inventory. And so LCL in particular is a service that really works in times like these. Great. So you're you're set up well for, to, to face these challenges. That's great to hear. So, you know, the U.S. is the largest importer of Italian wine. So lots of Italian wineries are navigating this complicated three-tier system every single day. What are some of the biggest logistical challenges that Italian wineries in particular face when they're selling their wines into the U.S. market? So there's sort of traditional routes to market, and then there are sort of other routes to market. I would say that a winery is either established in the U.S., they're trying to get started in the U.S., or they're trying to make changes to their existing U.S. distribution strategy. So if a winery has you know, established sales and presence in the U.S. market, you know, their challenges might be that you know, they're getting lost, perhaps, in a larger portfolio. The sort of historical trend of distributors that are constantly consolidating and merging presents challenges for, for brands that are you know, now one of thousands of SKUs. So sometimes established brands are needing to make changes because former distributor just isn't working out or they're they're being overlooked in that portfolio. Sometimes they need to make a change too, just because of the way that their sales strategy has changed or their products are changing. And, you know, in, in those cases, they need a little bit more autonomy. Alentani Imports really offers that autonomy where brands can sort of take matters into their own hands and take a, a lot more control of their brand's destiny in the U.S. back into their hands, as opposed to a third-party importer who's sort of in control of that brand's success and where it's selling, you know, we can help brands get inventory here in the U.S. And then from that stateside inventory, they can then sort of choose which of their distributors they want more regionally. And then, you know, there's challenges with brands that are just getting started. So brands that are emerging, that are looking to gain access in the U.S. And, you know, they can't get the attention of the distributors who, again, have thousands of SKUs and hundreds of brands to represent. And so in many cases, it's very challenging for a newer brand to find those right relationships and distributor agreements and appointments. And so again, we can kind of help them start slowly and allow them to have that stateside inventory so that when they do appoint and open up a new market, the inventory is already here. It's ready to go. It could get picked up in a week so that there's no slowdown of sales, even though their sales trajectory is still kind of slow and building. So it just kind of helps to keep the inventory in the right spot, as well as the fact that 
you know, the U.S. is comprised of 50 states and each of those states mm-hmm. has their own host of compliance rules and regulations. So if an emerging brand is getting started and wants to have that autonomy and control, they need help navigating the really dense compliance matrix. Absolutely. And I think what you're saying about getting started and having your samples and your product in place and ready to go is probably something that gets lost or overlooked sometimes when a brand is looking for distribution, but something that's really important because if you you make an agreement and then it's going to take six months to get the product over, you know, you might be forgotten by that point. So having the product ready to go and in market, I mean, that that's key. So I think it's a really great point that you bring up. There's also a compliance element to having stateside inventory because so many distributors and, and many brands buy DI, right? So they're, let's say their regional distributor importer in Texas buys direct from the winery abroad. The U.S.'s compliance restrictions surrounding primary source, which means that only one source can sell into that state of Texas. So if the importer in Texas is DIing, and then all of a sudden the winery now has stateside inventory, we can't sell it to them, you know, because there can only be one source. So it's kind of having the fortitude for a brand to say, okay, this is going to be my strategy. I'm going to keep stateside inventory so that I have continuity of supply. And, you know, also it'll just streamline a lot of that compliance so that there aren't any issues with, with that source. Right, right. No, that's super interesting. So, you know, let's talk a little bit more about what you're seeing in the market through your work every day for Italian wine. We know Americans love Prosecco. It's been a hot category for a while. Are there other trends out there that we might not be aware of? You're absolutely right. Sparkling is hot in general. Obviously, Prosecco is the is the leader there, but I would say that there is genuine interest in other sparkling like Lambrusco. There might be finally a growing interest in Italian whites, which are more than half of the country's production, even though Americans always see Italy as a source for reds. And there seems to be a lot of talk about and writing uh, about Brunello, which is possibly thanks to the release of the second epic vintage in a row. But in general, I think the luxury category is strong and growing, especially now that everyone is spending money at home. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that we talked about with Dave on the last episode, the, the luxury categories, you know, do, doing well right now. You know, the, the tariffs were another topic that's been on everyone's mind <laughs> these days as well. How did Ellen Tenney receive the news that tariffs were being suspended? And since Italian wines were less affected by the tariffs, have your clients that import Italian wine made any changes in response to that news? Great question, especially since the tariff conversation was one that was very near and dear to my heart and one which that I spent a lot of time and energy and personal efforts lobbying against. Unfortunately, when the suspension of the tariffs came, I wasn't entirely relieved. At Elantani Imports, we remained you know, deeply concerned about the global supply chain constraints. So even though there was this relief on one side, there was still this incredible headwind on the other hand. So, you know, I think that that's definitely been a little bit of a challenge. You know, I'm certain, though, that the the supply chain issues, that those kinks will unwind themselves and hopefully we have brighter days ahead. But yeah, it was definitely challenging to have this sort of lopsided feeling of like quasi relief (laughs) instead of true relief. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, hopefully we, we get true relief soon. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And, you know, in terms of our clients, it's interesting. I, I had an importer 
an Italian importer call me right after the, the tariffs were suspended. And I was surprised by what he said. He wanted to double down on his purchases and inventory this spring just so that he had enough continuity of inventory for, you know, you know, early summer. And this was largely just due to the global supply chain issues. So even though Italy has not been affected by tariffs, I was amazed that this importer wanted to basically double his order volume. And it's interesting because that was the same strategy that a lot of our clients were implementing when they were buying long on inventory during tariffs. So during tariffs, they were trying to sort of potentially circumnavigate, you know, even larger tariffs, or maybe the thought that these carousels would include Italy or include champagne. I think there was a lot of trepidation. And so I saw a lot of that, like doubling down buying strategy. And it just was ironic to me that right on the day that tariffs suspended, that 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 activity was still going, that sort of, you know, more feast or famine buying also though, just due to the supply chain constraints. Hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, it'll be definitely everyone's waiting to see how the long-term effects in, in both consumer and trade behavior uh, following the, the pandemic and how things go back to quote-unquote normal, well, time will tell. So thank you so much for joining us, Alexi. It was so great to have you on today to talk more about Alan Tenney and how your company works in the three-tier system. It's super interesting. And to our listeners, you can learn more about Alan Tenney. You can visit www.ellentenneyimports.com. That's E-L-E-N-T-E-N-Y or email support at ellentenneyimports.com. So thanks again, Alexi. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Juliana. See you again next week on the Italian Wine Podcast for another episode of Wine Business Talk brought to you by Colangelo and Partners. For more information on this series, you can visit Colangelo and Partners at www.colangelopr.com. And remember to rate our show wherever you listen to our podcasts.